Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, season two, episode six. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, we've got Tasha and we've got Dana. And guys, we're still sort of reflecting on what was a massive weekend of rugby league as uh, it's finally back. How good is it? Football is back. Uh, massive All-Stars weekend. Um, you know, let, let's jump straight into our listener questions. We've got a couple here. Um, before we get into it, I just want your quick... Uh, reaction or thoughts on the All-Stars game. And uh, and then, yeah, we'll jump into our listener question, which is a little bit of a curly one, which, is, again, to our listeners, keep sending them through to our DMs. Uh, we're checking them all the time for your chance to be featured on the show. Um, Tash, yeah, just your general thoughts on the game. It was, I guess, you know, when you think about it, there was a little bit more emotion than, I, I guess, what, what, what we, I guess, predicted. There was, you know, there was some fireworks in that one. Dan, what a platform, what a start to the rugby league year. And I know that the um, All-Stars originally was with, you know, the Indigenous All-Stars versus the NRL All-Stars and had a few changes. But to have those two cultures, to have the Maori culture up against the Indigenous culture, the passion and the, the you know, the unity dance and the harkers and the whole shebang is just it's breathtaking and it's just a cracking start to what will be a fabulous year. Dana, I've just come off the back of watching the NFL sort of rep game, you know, very different, doesn't have any sort of uh, cultural background, you know, the Pro Bowl, and it was pathetic, you know, there's, the, you know they're, they're not even tackling each other. You, you go into a contest like this and, you know, we're still in preseason, but this is a rep game and to Tasha's point, this means more, obviously, you know, uh, you know the Indigenous All-Stars, the Maori All-Stars, you, you, you think about, you know, being there in the stadium, the fans, the atmosphere, but in terms of the, the play on the field, it was ferocious. The Yeah, it comes down to it, like, you know, like you've got origin where it's, yes, where you've come from, where you're born, all that kind of thing. But I think with, with the Indigenous game uh, between the Maori and the Indigenous Australians, it's, it's culture. There is so much more depth and history and... I mean, for the, for both games, for aggression, for to fight for that pride, to fight for where you come from, for what you represent, um, for past, present and future of your culture. I think it's just, like you said, there's so much more aggression. But honestly, being at the game and being at Combank Stadium, I don't think I stopped smiling ear to ear. Like, honestly, it was one of the one of the best NRL games I think I've been to in a long time. And obviously the great news in and around the, uh, you know, the flag being freed, which was obviously huge. And then you saw that in the stadium, everyone with their flags, it was just, it was special. It was different. And again, I I think uh, the NRL's onto an absolute winner there. That's for sure. All right, guys, let's jump into our listener question is, uh, well, it's an interesting one. Who was the best referee in the game? And you think about referee Adam G uh, in that contest in the All-Stars, and he was probably hoping for an easy night there with the whistle but there were sin bins, there were punches being thrown. He had a tough night uh, at the office uh, in terms of managing both teams. But, uh, yeah, let's talk officiating. Let's talk referees. Um, Tash, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Dan, I'm going to go with um, Ben Cummins. Now, he made his debut way back in 2006. He's got 
you know, he's done 384 NRL uh, first grade games. He's done the big ones. He's done state of origin. He's done grand finals. Um, he's done test matches. He's done World Cups. But what I really like about him is that he seems to have that balance um, when he refs to be able to um, let the game flow but still stamp his authority um, when need be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm voting for good old uh, Ben Cummins. Yeah, it's not a bad, not a bad shout. Look, for me, uh, I'm going to go with, well, there's a, there's a few options here. I, I have to say, Casey Badger, I, I really want to see her uh, progress and progress quickly uh, in terms of officiating because she is showing so much skill, so much expertise. And obviously, you know, you, you miss you miss the badge. You, you miss Gavin. Obviously, he's retired now. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see her more involved, in it, and I'm sure she will be. But, you know, thinking about who is the best at the moment, look, I'd probably have to say Jared Sutton. Um, probably uh, that's probably not a, not a popular opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that have been uh, burnt in the past. But um, to your point, Tasha, the way in which he speaks to players – it, it, it's very, very difficult, isn't it? In the heat of battle, when players are screaming at you, to kind of balance that, be respectful. So I think he does that pretty well. Um, and again, this is a job that I would not want. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thankless job. And um, yeah, they do a great job uh, doing that one. Dana, what about yourself? Again, you've probably had some, uh, some different experiences with refs over the years as a fan. Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. When it's like, oh yeah, best referee of the NRL, I instantly was like, oh, am I allowed to say none of them? Uh, just, you know, as, um, as a Storm supporter, you know, being that underdog team from Victoria that everyone loves to hate, uh, it was, it's a very hard game to watch with a lot of referees bleeding blue very much all of the time. But uh, if I have to pick one, it is going to be Belinda Sharp. She's, you know, she's the first female referee. She's been a touch judge for eight years now, and then she started refing games, I think, 2019 or 2018. Um, but you know what? She's she's done well. She's definitely a forefront for the progression of women in NRL, not just, you know, in NRLW. Um, and I think she's really good at having like a level head as a, a touch judge, which that I think can be the hardest part because you're literally deciding points, which can win or lose you a game. Um, so, yeah, if I'm going to have to pick any of them, which I do reluctantly, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Linda. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. want to be king in your story. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, you talk about champion clubs, and it's official. The Penrith Panthers, they're certainly on a bit of a tear at the moment, and Tasha, it's been an interesting journey watching this team uh, get to where they've gotten to. Um, You think about what it takes to win a premiership in the modern day game. And I always go back to how this club has been built. And, you know, let's let's roll it all the way back when Phil Gould obviously joined the club and the place was in shambles. You know, obviously financially they weren't in a really good position. Uh, The team was not performing too well. The five-year plan took a little bit longer than that. We're a decade on from that. But, uh, Tash, you, you, yeah, I, I guess reflect on some of those those earlier times, some of the struggles that, uh, that Penrith had. Yeah, feel good, Mr. Fix-It. Maybe not fix it as fast as he anticipated, but uh, he really appreciates the importance of the systems and of getting it together at grassroots 
um, levels. And I'm sure everyone remembers, you know, in the week of the grand final, those photos where you just saw, you know, um, Cleary with a couple of the other teammates there. Um, so as little young kids, well, I can say that because I'm old. They're probably about 17, 18. But, you know, they, they, they played together and that grassroots systems came through and, you know, it's really coming into fruition now. Um, and Phil Gould, yeah, he's done a great job. Dana, let, let's dig in on the, that uh, that nursery there when it comes to talent because, you know, I, I've been sort of thinking about this a lot when it comes to Newcastle because just jealous, you know, you think about Penrith, you know, it's got the largest junior base uh, in Australia, therefore the world when it comes to rugby league talent and Newcastle's not too far behind. But, you know, it, it's it's all well and good to have all of these amazing juniors coming through. But, you know, when it when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to... I guess them sort of coming of age in and around that, that sort of 19, 20, 21 and being ready for the NRL, are they up to it? You know, and these are some of the challenges that Newcastle's had is they brought through plenty of juniors, but they haven't necessarily been ready. Dana, talk to us about this young Penrith group coming through, because not only is it a good, nice story that these, you know, that they're local kids, but these are some of the best players in the game. And it just so happens they've, they all come from the local area. So the thing is with Penrith, and it's something I've noticed um, even in the last few days while I've been up in New South Wales, is a lot of the players are from the area. Um, You know, they're from Penrith, they're from Mount Druitt, they're from Blackdown. You know, these areas out in the western suburbs of Sydney, they're not known to be the greatest. They're not known to be the nicest, uh, just, you know, with general life. But the thing with these kids is they all come from that spot together. They've all grown up playing together and – they are so proud of where they come from and where they're going because they've been able to get out of those terrible conditions or those, you know, the old almost poverty areas where a lot of people who are from, you know, Mount Druitt, you stay in Mount Druitt and that's it. But these kids have shown that, no, you can change it, you can push your way through and you can become premiership players in the NRL, you know. And I think that's something that a lot of kids now are, pushing towards because, you know, the last 15 years, they didn't have that momentum. They didn't have that. They were like, oh, it's just Penrith. They'll end up in the bottom anyway. But, you know, over that, those progression and the feeder teams and the kids coming through, they've now got something to strive for to add proof in the pudding that you work hard, you you play hard, and you become a champion. Yeah, Dana, really good point. It, it, rugby league is really a... Um, a good focus for the kids to have, you know, and it's and now that they've, you know, they were in the grand final last uh, year before they won it last year. I know all those young kids, you know, are going to want to follow that. And you know, if that keeps kids focused, then it's it's great guns for them. But the very fact, um, Dan, that you focused on this being such a young team, I think they they were the youngest in the out of the 16 teams um, last season. And I think that brings, because they've come up through together, I don't think their premiership window is going to close for a while. You know, have that short premiership window. They're young. How big is that premiership window now? Yeah, no, look, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, let's be clear, it is a copycat league. So when a team wins a premiership, the other 15 clubs sit back and say, well, how did they do it? And you know, there's been a lot of ways to to sort of win a premiership. And when you look at the when you look at the Panthers model, it's just very very interesting. And I actually think it's going to have a positive impact on the game more broadly because 
How did Penrith do it? They invested in an academy. They invested in their junior base, and they basically brought all these players up. And, you know, it, it's got them to where they are. So you just wonder whether other clubs will start to look at it. I know uh, Phil is probably looking at rolling out the same thing out at Belmore uh, with, with, with the Canterbury Bulldogs. And I know he was trying to do something similar with the Warriors. So, you know, this is what we need to continue to grow the game. So I actually think, you know, Penrith's model, it's a really, you know, it's a positive. And Tash, to your point, exactly right. You know, sometimes you're... You get players who peak physically in and around 28, 29, 30, 31. They finally win a premiership and then it all sort of declines very, very quickly. The scary thing about Penrith is they're going to be here and here for a long time. All right, Dana, just one, uh, well, we've got a few things to talk about here when it comes to the Penrith Panthers. One topic that I do want to cover is the coach, Ivan Cleary. He's an interesting guy, isn't he? You know, not often do you, you know, you you, you run a rugby league club, you go away and you, you return and then you've got the added... Uh, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I guess, complication, but certainly an interesting story, you know, coaching your own son. Talk to us about Ivan Cleary because he's finally got over the hump. He's got that that premiership, but he certainly had to work for it. Yeah, look, I have, you know, mixed reviews about Ivan Cleary. And, I mean, the Clearys in general, but that's just me and Penrith. Um, but, you know, he's seriously, you know, it's taken so long for him to get here that I actually am – you know, I feel good that he's finally got there because he's been through so many, you know, he played what, three or 400 games, if more than that, 500 odd in his career um, to have, you know, only a couple premierships there, if any. But, you know, the, the I think as a coach with Penrith, he's definitely focused a lot on, you know, we've just spoken about the, the kids not bringing, but I think, you know, having his son there is going to help push everyone else because you know and I don't think he favors him but I feel like that might be something that he'd have to tread very lightly on because you can't you know favor your own son who's a co-captain you've got to be able to spread that out but I think it works in his favor because you could potentially kind of have a go at him a bit more be like you know you have that that ability to kind of not yell at him but you know give him that feedback that could be a bit overstepping the line for other players, but I think in the Panthers' case, it has helped push them a bit further. Tash, just quickly, I I think it would be what Ivan doesn't say. You know, you can imagine them around the dinner table and maybe there's a little bit of silent treatment. I mean, mean, not in recent years. Nathan Cleary is, you know, if not the best player in the game at the moment. But, you know, Dana's right coming up. He probably had a few poor, poor performances. You just wonder whether Ivan just gave him a little bit of the silent treatment just to, you know, just to let him know that he's uh, still a little bit unhappy. Yeah, good point, and I'm sure he did. That it's exactly it. It's the way he stares and doesn't say anything that cuts you to shreds. But um, as far as the father son combination goes, uh, you know, there's you, you can't say that he favours him at all when he's proving himself to be, you know, in the top one or two players in the whole league. So that must make Ivan feel comfortable because, geez, my son is like in the top couple of players in the whole league. Yeah, absolutely. And let's quickly go through some of the well, some of their elite players uh, within the team, and I guess why you know people are sort of thinking about Penrith as another genuine contender, and you know will they will they be able to go back to back? Tash, let's go through this list because um, you know a player that we've you know we try to plug probably doesn't get enough attention is their fullback Dylan Edwards. When you think about the best fullbacks in the game. Dylan just does not get a mention. He he's just, he just does not come to to the front of minds of fans. 
besides those out out in Western Sydney. But uh, you know, he hopefully winning a premiership, performing at the highest levels in the semi-finals. Maybe we start to see a little bit of love given to Dylan Edwards this year. Yeah, for sure. Like it's really tough. I mean, he is the premiership winning fullback. So when is he going to start getting a little bit of love? But, you know, when you think about out there, there's Pappenhausen, you know, there's Turbo. There's, it's a really tough gig to shine out and shine through and, and be talked about a lot as it, uh, right up there in the top couple of uh, fullbacks. But, yeah, he's a premiership winning fullback and he's a big part of their spine going into next year. And, um, yeah, he's one of the most underrated, I think. I think something that I've noticed you know, in the last couple of years with all of Penrith, but especially Dim- Dylan Edwards is a very good point to kind of point out. Like you said, he is, goes under that radar. But I feel like, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, I am Melbourne-based, but Penrith wasn't even on the radar of top teams kind of until the last couple of years. Like I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you 45 years ago who the coach or the captain was. And now off the top of my head, I can name half the squad. So, again, I guess that comes back to the whole the team and how they've changed over the last few years and just their progression and the skill. And I guess it also comes back to the marketing of it maybe, as well. But That's what I was going to say, Danny, uh, Dana. Maybe it's popularity, you know, and, and I guess a couple of players that I, that I think can take a massive credit for that because you're right, they've ultimately gone from, you know, one of the battlers uh, in, in rugby league to arguably the most popular club in rugby league. And I think that's because of Jerome Luai, and Brian Toto, who, uh, I mean, how could you dislike these two guys? They are absolutely, um, yeah, the great characters off the field. But let's stick with on the field in terms of their performances. Tasha, Brian Toto, you've spoken about him previously. We know how much you love him as a player. But, again, this kid is something different. He is so young. He has a huge future ahead of him. Uh, look, it's just exciting times for the club to have such a talented player in their outside backs. Yeah, I, I not made no secret of um, my favouritism towards Brian Toto, um, and it really clenched it when he, you know, uh, proposed to his fiance at the end after winning a grand final. That that's pretty gorgeous. But on the field, that man is a little powerhouse. And if it, if you get a good look at his legs, like you know those calves, they're not calves, they're cows. Right. Like they are so big. And he's so strong. And he actually topped the running metres. So, yeah, he's a tremendous asset. And I think he's he's got room for improvement because he's young and he's got so much potential. So, yeah, watch that space. Dana, Nathan Cleary is as good as it gets. And I have to be honest, I, I did not see him getting to this level. You know, talented player, probably played above his age, you know, in terms of his development, very skillful. But at the moment... The way in which his game's progressing, his kicking game, his game management, his toughness, we saw with the shoulder injury, he is clearly outstanding. But one thing that I think probably doesn't get spoken about enough is the value of having a high-quality halves partner next to you. Jerome Luai, you know, how much of Penrith's success is, yes, Nathan Cleary is outstanding, one of the game's absolute best, take nothing away from him, but... Hey, let's show a little bit of love to Jerome Luai because him in his own right has been able to obviously go on, represent his state. And, you know, he, he was, you know, a little bit patchy, you know, in terms of his form, but in the in the biggest moments, in the biggest games, he he, he shown what he's capable of. Yeah, look, Jer- Jerome Luai, like when we talk about Penrith, you know, like I said, everyone goes nothing clearer, but I always talk about Jerome Luai just because I love that he is one of those local kids that came up through 
their feeder system and, you know, he's, what, 24, 25? Like, you know, we keep banging on about these. They're young, but honestly, like, the Nathan Cleary can't excel without Jerome Luai. It's a team, obviously, it's a team sport. Hand in hand, they go together, and I honestly think he deserves so much more recognition because he's got the tries and the speed and the skill and the agility that I think a lot of people forget about because they're so focused on the Nathan Clearies. And I, I just, I wish that he got more recognition than he does, but I reckon this year it's definitely going to go his way. They just, uh, they just work so well together. They're very, very different in terms of their game. I think Jerome just needs to work on a little bit of consistency this year. And he's really understanding what it takes to be consistent over such a long uh, rugby league season. All right, guys, we spoke about, again, you know, this, this team, what they look like in terms of uh, in terms of this campaign. Really interested to hear your predictions. But before we do that, one of the things about winning a premiership is all the other clubs around you start to pinch all of your players, um, and typically within a few years, but, you know, unless you're a Melbourne Storm, <laughs> it, it, it is very hard to sort of stay at the top. Tash, we have seen a few departures, not this season, but next season. Api Corusau was a huge loss, in my opinion. Uh, Viliyama Kikau, um, Kurt Capel's left. You know, you don't want to say it's the final dance, but, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is Penrith, they really want to take this opportunity this year because, you know, moving ahead into the following season, things might be a little bit more difficult for the club. Yeah, true, Dan. And you talk about the consistency of the spine, but the only player is the player you mentioned, you know, their number nine, Abby Carousel, and he's with them this season. Um, you've got such a strong premiership winning team. The spine is untouched. You look at the forward pack, it's unbelievable. I don't want to take away from the players that they've lost this year or, or may lose next year, but I still think that they've got, you know, incredible strength, at great spine, awesome forward. So, yeah, I, I don't think um, they're going to suffer too much from those losses. I just want to quickly touch on consistency because I think something that Penrith and I mean a lot of other clubs do need to improve on this as well but with Penrith being in that top tier I think they need to improve on their consistency around origin uh, because I I'm pretty sure it was yeah last year I think they lost almost every single match in those origin periods where they had those those you know origin players they were out um, or you know they got close to losing so I think that's something that I think they need to focus on this year, um, you know, every team loses those couple games because they put their best players out. But I really want them to push through that and try and, you know, get past that hurdle because I think that will take the club to a next level as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, you don't want to be you don't want to be lo- uh, dropping those games during that period. And I guess a player that I forgot to mention has lost is uh, they have that has left the club, excuse me, is Matt Burton, who, to your point, Dana, was there during that period, but they still battled. So, obviously, you know, things are going to be a little bit light during State of Origin period because they're going to have a lot of players at that rep level. Um, got a few exciting juniors coming through. That halfback fells. He looks like a good quality player, but, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. All right, guys, let's jump into our predictions. Um, Tasha, you know, is this their final opportunity? You know, can they go back-to-back? They're losing Coruscant the year after. They're losing Kikau. Um, Yeah, what's your thoughts on Penrith this year? Yeah, Dan, look, I I see them going really, really well, obviously. I mean, I've just spoken about how fabulous their team is. But, no, I'm not seeing them back-to-back. But I'm still putting them way up there. I'm putting them at third. 
Yeah, look, uh, you've, you're, I think you're reading my notes over here. I'm just having a yeah. look at what I wrote down uh, before the show. And that's it. I, I, look, I, I cannot tip clubs to go back to back. I, I just don't think uh, people realise just how difficult that is. You know, you've, you've suddenly got a target on your back. Not that Penrith, Penrith didn't. They've, they've been a top club now for a couple of seasons. But, yeah, their ability, I think, to go back to back has got a lot to do with injuries. And if they stay fit and healthy, they're a chance. But it's certainly going to be very difficult for them. And I, I have them finishing third as well. There's a couple of clubs that will probably touch on in future episodes that I think we'll get them during the regular season but hey as a night supporter I'd take third any day of the week uh Dana you get final say on this one Penrith Panthers where do they finish in season 2022 now look I'm I'm normally like the level-headed negative nah they won't go back to back it's the, the odds of it happening are very very slim but I also think if the Roosters can do it Penrith can do it because I think this Penrith squad, yes, they might have some losses coming at the end of, you know, 2022, as many other clubs are with the joining of the Dolphins. But I really think that if they're going to go back to back, it is going to be this squad and it's going to be this year. So I'm not, I'm going to go back to back. They'll win it. Um, I also don't like the Roosters that much. So I'd prefer the Penrith to be the the well-known back-to-back premiership squad. Um, But I'm going to put them, yeah, second or third this year. Uh, Yeah. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, a quick match for you guys tonight as we look at the West Tigers squad. And Tash, we're just going to have a quick little deep dive into their half situation. It's pretty interesting when you look at it. Adam Dewey, um, arguably their best player, um, again, another ACL injury, which is devastating. He'll be recovering, rehabbing that. Um, it, you know, positive signs, though. We're hearing that he will be available probably you know, between the start to the middle of the season, which is really positive news. It does look like, and you know, in tonight's match, we see Luke Brooks come up against new signing Jackson Hastings. Look, these two guys, it does appear they'll be the halves pairing for the start of the season. But I guess I'm really interested in terms of trying to work out who's going to be able to, I, I guess, win that that spot alongside Adam Dewey. So, Tash, going to start with you. Let's let's go with Luke Brooks. Um, you know, he's probably you know one of the more long-standing members of the Tigers squad. Talk to us a little bit about Luke and you know his past couple of seasons. Yeah, look, you can't take it away from Brooksy. He he cops a lot of flack. Like when they lose, it's Brooksy's fault. When they win, you hear a lot of praise around Dewey or uh, some of their other players. So he sort of cops a bad end of the stick there. But, you know, it was only a few years ago. He was the, I think 2018, he was a M halfback. So he was considered the best halfback in the game. Um, and he actually came third in the total of the M points. So he is a very good player. He does organise well. He's got a good kicking game. His defence is fairly solid for someone his size. Um, and remember, halfbacks, you know, I still think that they can blossom even more and more at, as they get older because the, the older head on the, on the halves, um, the better. So, yeah, I think we've been a bit hard on Brooksy. Yeah, definitely. Dana, If you take, to, to Tasha's point, if you take uh, Luke Brooks 
and you put him down there in a little club that you know a little bit about, uh, if you put him into the Melbourne Storm system, for example, you take him out of the dysfunction, out of a team that has traditionally struggled, and you put him into a high-quality team, you know, talk to us a little bit about what Luke Brooks would look like there because I, I'm with Tasha. I see a very, very talented half who, you know, has struggled at times, but for me he just hasn't had the support in and around him, which... You know, unless you're the very, very elite in this game, it's very, very hard to win rugby league games, you know, just just, just as one player, unless your name's Tom Travoyevic. Do you know what? All, all honesty, I think he would flourish. I would pay big money to see Luke Brooks down in Melbourne Storm because I think having that support system that would push him and, you know, find his weaknesses, get through it, push through it, and then focus on his strengths and just push him so hard... I think would be incredible for him. Even if they did a loan system like they did with Harry Grant in 2020 season, um, honestly, I would, yeah, I'd pay big money to see him down in a club that would just help support him and, like I said, help him flourish and just become one of those big names in the game because I think he's, he's definitely got the skills to, to get there. And I think you get a little bit of a sense of that. Like it's a make or break year for him. And, and you know, you got a bit of a, you know, are they looking to push him out of the club you know, and then a few clubs were sort of sniffing around. So the, the Tigers know what they've got. They've got another talented player that's probably not quite performing. But for me, I just think he needs to be in a system that wins football games. It's as simple as that. He needs to build confidence. And can he do it at the Tigers? Uh, you know, it, it's it's just hard to say. But look, credit to Luke for sticking with the Tigers. You know, we, we don't have to go into it tonight, but there's been a few teammates who have obviously jumped ship, and I don't blame them. But Luke, Luke's stuck with it, and he's copped a lot of flack. And, uh, yeah, I, I still think there's something. And, you know, you just think about this pressure year from him. It just might be what he needs to perform. All right, Dana, let's jump over to his competitor tonight, um, Jackson Hastings. And, you know, you've got to feel for Tigers fans because they have been desperate to, you know, bring in some big, high-quality signings after losing some stars over the past few seasons. Jackson Hastings got an interesting story. Um, obviously had his challenges as a, as a younger player, went to England, was an absolute star. And if social media is anything to go by, he is taking this preseason by storm. I, okay, I love Jackson Hastings. Uh, he's one of those players that not many people know about, but I, I followed him a lot and knew about him a lot with his Super League journey. Um, you know, there was the drama between, you know, Daly Cherry Evans and the coach of Manly, and that's why he, you know, went over to the UK. But I was at the Old Trafford. I was at the game that he was playing in as with Salford Red Devils. I was supporting them uh, against in the grand final against St. Helens. And although they did go down disgustingly bad, but it was a very good game to watch and being able to sit there and go, he's an NRL boy. Um, you know, he played amazingly well uh you know and 12 months later he was back there the exact same old Trifford uh with the Wigan Warriors and again went down to St Helens so I think for him to then have those couple years playing that incredible football getting to that grand final um but then coming back to the Tigers yeah you're gonna have to push yourself because this kid's got grand final experience and he's got the skills and the abilities to get there and the issue I think he might have is being with a team who may not quite get to that top eight finals footy this year. And Tash, rugby league's a very inclusive uh, sport. You know, we've we've got people from all sort of backgrounds, all different personalities. Some are arrogant, some are confident, some are, you know, we, 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 we sort of, we, we take all sorts uh, when it comes to rugby league. One thing I do admire when it comes to Jackson Hastings is he has not shied away from some of the challenges that he's had in the past. He's owned it. And I think we've just seen a, 
I, I guess, you know, to Dana's point, we have seen years of maturity from him over in the UK. And you just feel like, you know, this is an opportunity that I, I just can't see him wasting. I, I, I really feel like he understands how important it is to start the season strong. And uh, we could see something pretty special here from Hastings. Yeah, Dan, we, we've spoken before about players that go over to the Super League, gain confidence, a bit of maturity, and then come back and really shine. And I really hope that happens uh, for Hastings because um, he's, he's first in, in the NRL. He didn't really live up to expectation. But again, as players in the halves, they need time to develop. And I know I say that over and over again, and it's very hard when you've, you've got someone like, um, you know, Cleary that's, so brilliant, so young. But generally speaking, halves need time to develop. That time in in the Super League in England could be a blessing uh, and he comes back confidence and, you know. But, you know, Madge has come out uh, publicly and just said he is having a blinder of a off-season and he's competitive in every step of it. So that's what the Tigers need, you know, to be competitive on both sides of the ball and to be really hungry. Absolutely. Well, look, Adam Dewey, he's in rehab. He's getting that knee right. He'll be back on. Uh, he'll be back on the field in no time, and I think he's going to take a spot in the half. So my question to you is, who's going to partner Adam Dewey um, out of these two? Luke Brooks, Jackson Hastings. Uh, where are you going on this one, Dana? I'm gonna I'm gonna back the newbie. I'm gonna back Jackson. Um, you know, as long like you know, Brooks got. 150 games, I think, to the Tigers, and I will commend him for being a one-club player for a squad that is struggling at the moment. I'll, I will give him that. But I think Jackson, like you said, he's had that couple years away. He's had that attitude shift. He's got that competitive nature. I think he's going to fight for it. Um, so I'm going with Jackson Hastings. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go Hastings as well. I actually think Luke Brooks is a little bit more talented, but I I really do feel like Luke Brooks needs a sea change. I would love to see him move on to another club and just really get an opportunity to, um, yeah, to sort of see what he can produce elsewhere. Jackson Hastings, I think he'll take this opportunity. I think he wins that spot. Uh, Tash, we don't often get clean sweeps. Uh, I'd be interested to hear where you're going on this one. Yeah, no chance. No chance of a clean sweep. I think you just... Want Hastings to get it, so Brooksy goes over to your precious Newcastle Knights. I think that's your motivation there, Dad. But no, in all seriousness, at this stage of um, his career, Brooksy, he's got the runs on the board. Um, I think Brooksy's going to definitely um, keep that halfback position. Um, Madge is speaking highly of him. So, yeah, you guys are Hastings, but I'm Brooksy all the way. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're back with our Legends series. And this week, uh, the question I've got for you is, who is your favorite retired South Sydney Rabbitohs player? Dana, going to start with you. I'm going with uh, a beloved Queensland state of origin hero, an Australian international. He made an appearance last night uh, off the field, of course, uh, but it is Greg Inglis. Um, and I just have so much love for that man. Obviously, you know, a few years at Storm, uh, you know, uh, Tash, I think you actually spoke about him a couple of weeks ago when we did the Storm's retired players, but his success at the Rabbitohs is almost unmatched. You know, he's just got... Oh, he's just full of talent and to be able to to steal a premiership while he's there as well, I think he's just a, a team that's undoubtedly one of the best in NRL history and 
You know, he's just this consistent left, right and centre. He's quick, he's agile, he can boot it like there's no tomorrow and he's got the skills to get over that line. And I just, I have so much love for Greg Inglis. So, yeah, he's definitely my uh, my favourite Bunnies player. Yeah, and I think, I think there's no coincidence that when he signed with South Sydney, things started to turn around there. Him and... Him and Russell Crowe and uh, and a few others, Sam Burgess, they definitely they definitely got that that thing, uh, yeah, to where they needed to be and won that premiership. Uh, yeah, GI, absolute legend of the game, and I'm sh- I'm sure like he, he's going to end up Hall of Fame, future immortal, even special special player. Um, speaking of special players, my favourite retired Rabbitohs player, who else but Nathan Merritt? Uh, you know, there's just some players, and again, you know, I, I'm I'm a massive Knights fan, and I try not to give too much love to opposing teams, but. Uh, you, you just there's, there's, there are some players that you just sit back and love to watch, and Nathan was that player. You know, he wasn't a guy that just caught the ball and scored a few tries in the corner. He was creating, um, you know, opportunities from inside his own ten and twenty. He was spectacular in in open field. So Nathan Merritt, a lot of amazing memories. He had an incredible career. Uh, played a lot of games. Obviously, you know, fought his way into rep football as well. So Nathan Merritt for me, uh, Tash. South Sydney, they have had some absolute superstars, best players in rugby league history. So a little bit of a tricky question, but, uh, yeah, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Craig Wing. I think he was brilliant when he was at South. Like, he was just an attacking weapon. Um, I think that got a little bit stifled when he went from South over to the Roosters and he bulked up a bit and went into the hooking position. But, um, I, you know... The way I watched him play at South Sydney, he was so exciting and he was just such a live wire for the Blues as well. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, continue to help Mojo Sports grow, share with family and friends, continue to download the podcast. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.